What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Support for today's episode of the Chase Thomas Podcast could come from you, the listener, by heading over to patreon.com slash Chase Thomas Writer. There, you can be a monthly supporter of the show and my writing that the brilliant Sam Harris describes as basically one less cup of coffee per month. If that's feasible, I'd love to have your continued support. But if not, that's totally fine too, as there are other ways of supporting the show. If you're an Apple Podcasts or iTunes listener, you can leave the show reading and a review that is very quick and very painless and something that I'd very much appreciate and will help other people find the show. I'd also like to quickly remind you that you can listen to the podcast on Stitcher, Spotify, which is pretty cool, TuneIn Radio, iHeartRadio, SoundCloud, Google Play, and wherever else you get your podcasts. Lastly, don't forget to check out my website at chasethomaspodcast.com where you can find quick, easy access to all of my previous episodes, all of my articles. I'm writing a lot there now, how to contact me, and much more. And with that, let's jump into today's episode. Chase Thomas Podcast. The Chase Thomas Podcast. Um, my nephew needs me to record. See, I, hate, I already hate it. I hate it. All right, Ethan Hammerman is back on the podcast after gallivanting around in Europe for the last week. Uh, how was Europe, man? We haven't talked since you've been back. Europe was great. I was in Dublin and Amsterdam. I got to watch Week 17 in Amsterdam, which was quite a great experience because the sports bars there have uh, multi-purpose areas for both drinking and for smoking, which is very nice. And smoking cigarettes, of course. Right. And um, yeah, I mean, it was just really cool to to see some places I hadn't been to before. Uh, and it's been really nice being back in America, too. It's been a super restful couple of weeks, so it's all been good. That's awesome. So did you go anywhere else or were those your two main stops? <clears throat> those were my two main stops. I was going to maybe go to Spain and then it just didn't work out with flights and stuff. So I ended up just going back to America. <laughs> You make it sound so dreary. Thank you. I, I mean, it's pretty dreary. It's been pretty dreary in New York the past couple of weeks, but I think finally it's at least not nine degrees anymore, and that's really where I didn't want to be. So that's good. And the games last week were very entertaining, so you can only get better from there. Yeah, I mean, the games, well, I would say Saturday was entertaining. I'm not certain I would describe Sunday's games as entertaining, but... They were interesting. I, guess. I I was very entertained by that ten three game. I don't know. No, were you I, actually? I, just, I was enthralled by it. Mm. I was literally like, and I've wa- I am normally one who doesn't like low scoring games or bad football games, but man, it was fun watching those defenses. And then the Saints game was great. I thought that was a really in- interesting game. Well, let's talk about the the game that we I obviously differ on first, and that was the Jaguars. Winning so, a football game where Blake Bortles ran for more yards than he passed for, and they still ended up getting a victory. We had a Nathan Peterman situation at the very end where I just, it's so amazing how bad he is. And 
I actually feel bad for the guy. I really do. But that day was also like a really bad look for the NFL's concussion protocol because Tyrod Taylor got obliterated and then Cam Newton took a beating in the next game. It was was a bad day for quarterbacks who took a lot of shots. And somehow Blake Bortles would like fall forward. I don't know what it is, but Blake Bortles running the football, it always looks like he's about to fumble forward like Nathan Peterman did (laughs) in his first down run on fourth down late in the game. But he never gets like jacked up. I don't understand how, but he's such an awkward runner, but he just always looks like he's in mid stumble. And you know, it's, it's really bizarre, but that game was just, it, it felt like the Jaguars were going to win after they scored first. And it was kind of sad to see Tyrod's first playoff appearance just kind of go that way. And it seems like, I mean, I would assume that was his last game as the starting quarterback for the Buffalo Bills. And then I just, I couldn't help but think the whole time, like I'm happy that Bills fans got to experience a playoff game, even though if I was a Bills fan, would you, was it worth it to get into the playoffs for that kind of game and that kind of loss to Blake Bortles? I I don't know. I'm not a Bills fan, so I can't speak to that, but I will say that whole game, I was just thinking the Chargers would beat both of these teams. I I don't like that the Chargers not in, that were, they were not in that game because I just, I can't get over them not being in. And it was just, I, I, yeah, that's, that was my biggest takeaway is, wow, it really sucks. The Chargers aren't playing in this game. I mean, there are Bills fans who got tattoos for this playoff berth. That was kind of stupid. Also, your left guard is a racist who used the N word and was yelling it at one of the players he was playing against. So that's when I really thought about the Bills. Yeah, it definitely happened. Multiple Mm. people have said it happened. It happened, and he has a history. So I'm trusting the players here. And it's so Period. odd because he has a history. It, 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 he <laughs> hasn't he had like this whole redemption tour. I feel like there's been a bunch of fluff pieces surrounding Incognito re- lately, and just his rise from just all the controversy that surrounded him. How long ago was that? With uh, was it? Uh, it was the Dolphins, right? where it was just he the toxic situation and what he was like in the locker room and the bullying stuff. How long ago was that? I don't even remember now. But It was a while ago, but yeah. I was actually rewatching and the guy has a history. Like this is who he is. Anyone who's trying to make it seem like he's not like that is incorrect. I mean, he says this is who he is. So let's let's just call a spade a spade and say the guy is a, a shitty person. He might be a good offensive guard, but he's a competitor and he's probably a racist. So let him, let him just do his thing. Either way. I agree with you that I think the chargers would have beaten at least the bills. I, I have more respect for the Jaguars than that. Their defense played really well. That Calais Campbell play on a third and goal was pretty sick where he was able to stop um, whomever it was that was running through the line of scrimmage. Uh, Tyrod, I hope he gets another chance. I'm like you, a little bit skeptical that he actually will, which is unfortunate. And Blake Bortles is the fourth highest yards per carry in the history of any quarterback in the NFL. So uh, he's up there with Mike Vick and Randall Cunningham. I think he's that he's a mobile quarterback, legitimately. And I mean, he he can't throw the ball, but uh, that Steelers are, might be without one of their better cornerbacks next week. So. I still think that this game is going to be closer than people expect. I like the Jaguars a lot. That's a fun team. And if they get a good quarterback next year, they're going to be in really good shape for a long time. So would you agree that it seems like both of these teams are going to have new quarterbacks under center next year? 
I hope that the Bills don't. I don't know. I, I actually hope they do because I think Tyrod and Death because Bills, you feel bad for Tyrod. Okay, I can I can see that. But he, here's here's the thing on. that really gets me. I feel like if Tyrod, I, I feel like there are worse quarterbacks who've led their teams to the playoffs than Tyrod Taylor, but mm-hmm. no one has received more hate or nearly as much hate from their own fan base in terms of being a playoff starting QB as Tyrod Taylor. I mean, I think the Bills are pretty lucky to have him and. It, if they put anyone else in, I think it really makes them a worse team. And uh, the AFC East is a weird division mm-hmm. where I think it's very much in the air of how everyone's going to finish. But if you say swap in like a Tyrod Taylor and or, or swap him out with like a Blaine Gabbard or some other really bad quarterback, I mean, this team's going to lose like three more games than they lost this year. They're not making the playoffs. So I I feel like Bills fans should feel lucky that they have a good quarterback. And I, I agree with you that I don't think they're going to keep him because I, McDermott's going to bring in his guy, and I'm not sure who that's going to be. I could see them maybe making a play for Alex Smith because they have a lot of picks, and he's going to be available. So that actually might not be a bad fit for them. But, yeah, I mean, it's a weird case. I would not rule out any of the Broncos' current quarterbacks as the guy. In the not as a for starter, them. though. None of them are better than Tyrod. I don't think it's a necessarily a better thing. And they also have two first round picks, I believe. So they have some options. And I think I would be surprised if they don't take a quarterback in round one at some point. I, I think they're going to get their own guy. And I don't think that's the worst thing to kind of move on. Cause I just, like you said, I, I just don't think this partnership's ever going to be a cohesive one long-term. So I think it'd be best for both sides. Like if I had to bet who Tyrod Taylor is quarterback for next year, I think I would probably put it on Washington because I don't think Kirk Cousins is coming back and I don't think they're going to pay Kirk Cousins what Kirk Cousins wants. And I'm not sure if they can get Andy Dalton, obviously. And, you know, what other options do they have? Because I don't know if they can really go with a rookie quarterback. They're a team that just seems like they're trying to win the NFC year after year. And I don't know if they'll wait on a guy. I think they probably should just draft another quarterback, but... I could definitely see them going with Tyrod as a stopgat. It, it seems like he's never going to get the full like investment from a front office and coaching staff to be a franchise quarterback in this league because there are only just like what five, four spots available right now where you could be that franchise guy, and I don't see him fitting in really any of those teams long term. It kind of it they just might, sucks. They might draft a quarterback, but again, the Bills unloaded like five of their best players last yeah. year and didn't unload Richie Incognito, who was the only one who had a history and was a racist. So, I mean, I what a, I don't know. Sports Illustrated headline for Richie Incognito. <laughs> sure. From June 2nd, 2016, Richie Incognito from bullying scandal to Bill's revival. Yeah. Um, if you're trying to craft your image around Richie Incognito, I, I'm done with your team. I don't want to talk about that team, but yeah, I mean, part of the issue is that this quarterback class isn't very good. So I don't, I just don't know who's going to be there for them at the end of round one. I mean, do they package those picks and move up? Do they say we're going to take a risk with a Josh Allen who I don't think is ready at all yet? Like they're in a pretty tough position. We'll see. We'll see. He could, and that would be a bad pick. John Dorsey, but, apparently, it's just like the most John Dorsey pick ever. I forgot which article I, I was reading. If that. I'm, He's quoted if, like a close John Dorsey guy 
is saying like just go ahead and book it that number one is going to josh allen if i'm the bills i'm packaging a pick and a player and i'm taking alex smith and i'm waiting a year or two well i think alex smith is going to the browns i think he's going to be the so so all right wait stop Mm -hmm. so the browns are both going to draft a quarterback at one and they're going to trade for alex smith do they have to trade for him i thought he was a free agent in the year i believe that he's still under contract does he have something? I feel like he can opt. There's something. I haven't looked at his contract. I don't have it in front of me, but I, I don't know. I, I could see the Alex Smith stuff. I, I could just definitely see him in starting week one for Cleveland next year. And they could still draft a quarterback either way. So Smith does have an out this year. It would okay. be $3.6 million in dead cap for the Chiefs. I. Uh, I'm not sure they make that move. I guess we'll see. But I think they have to now. Like, I don't think there's any turning back. I think you have to go with Mahomes week one next year. Well, then, if I'm if I'm the Bills and that happens, I'm jumping all over Smith because he's a good fit for that offense. I would agree. And I, I think that you sign him for two years. If you take a Josh Allen, you let him grow and learn in your system for two years, and then you, you have a, someone who might grow into something. But if you're expecting the, anyone who you're going to get at where they're going to be drafting in this quarterback class to play right away. I don't think that's a good gamble. Hmm. So what did you make of, you said you loved the Panther Saints game. I Saints. Saints are good. They are really good, but they can't win. They can't get to the Super Bowl. They're one in six in playoff games where they, they're on the road with Drew Brees. They would have to win two (laughs) now on the road to get to Super Bowl. I think if they had home field advantage, they would be my pick. But I don't see them winning in Minnesota and potentially, well, I guess if the Falcons, like, I guess I'll go ahead and spoil this a little bit, but I think the Falcons are going to the Super Bowl now. And I can't believe I'm saying this after the kind of season they've had, but I think it's happening. And, you know, they could end up getting the Falcons at home in the NFC Championship game if they win, which would be insane. But I... It's it's asking a lot for this team to win on the road in Minnesota this week, and I'm just not there. I just I know they played this year, and the Vikings won. I have a lot of trouble thinking that Case Keenum is going to beat this team again. It's just very hard for me to. It was Sam Bradford in Week One. Oh, it was that early. Oh, right, it was that early. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I mean. I don't know if Case Keenan beats his team, and they were not playing as well in week one as they're playing now. I think that the Steelers-Jaguars game is more reflective of what's actually going to happen than the Vikings-Saints game. I actually, I don't want to spoil my pick either, but the Saints are playing, in my opinion, and they're healthy. They're the healthiest and best team in the NFC right now, I think. Just if you look all across the board, their running backs look awesome, their receivers look awesome, Breeze looks great. Their defense is playing really well. That Vikings team is really tough. It's going to be a close game, but man, it's really hard for me to see Drew Brees losing to Case Keenum. I just can't see it. Uh, I just, I really I can't see it, Vikings but it's team. really hard for me to see. I don't think this Vikings team is getting to the Super Bowl. I'm until a team who is hosting the Super Bowl gets there. I'm never putting them in. I just, I can't do it. And, you know, we'll see. But I do think they get one win. And that would really suck with the kind of season they've had to go 13-3 and just 
kind of ha- I mean, it definitely was uh, a lucky thing in their favor that Aaron Rodgers went down and stuff like that. But they've had an awesome year, and they lost Alvin Cook early in the year. I think it was week four. And they they lost Sam Bradford. They haven't had Teddy. They're basically on their third-string quarterback, and they're just an awesome story. So I I think they're the better team, and we'll get to that later in the pod. But, yeah, we'll, we'll see. The Panthers game, though, I just I came away – I just feel bad for Cam. Like that guy, if you just run down, I talked with Eric on the podcast last week about this, where you just look at their wide receivers and he was just left with nothing. It was Greg Olson and just Devin Funches at times. And Christian McCaffrey finally had a big play in this game, which was cool to see. He is so fast when he is in space like that. It's pretty remarkable, but I just, I, I, I can understand why they moved on from Mike Shula and Ken Dorsey this week because this is something has to change and you got to find ways where like if their receivers go down there has to be more to this offense that can just survive when they get hit with the injury bug like this because cam's too talented he does i he's so good in these kind of must-win games and i just i i was i came away just like really impressed that cam was able to keep it together and keep them in that game and rallying back down and you know i never thought they were gonna win that game and especially early on and no, I just don't think Cam was going to let that team lose unless they just got overpowered enough to lose. And it, it was it was an impressive game from Cam is my biggest takeaway. And I also think the Saints are really good, but I think that defense is starting to scare me. I think at this point they are. I don't. I love Dennis Allen, as you know, but there's something about this defense that scares me. And I could see Minnesota putting a lot of points on them, even with Case Keenum. Adam Thielen, I think him and Stefan Diggs are going to have fun with this secondary. I will say that even as great as Marshawn Lattimore has been, I, I'm just, I, I think the Vikings overpowered the Saints, but we'll get there. We'll get there. Is there any other big takeaways that you had for the Saints and Panthers game? Um, not really. I think if you trade, I think if you trade Camara. And um, McCaffrey, sorry, NFL.com is interfering with me. I think if you trade Kamara and McCaffrey, uh, the games played in Carolina. Ooh. That, that that's changes a, everything. That might be a hot take. No, I don't think yeah. so. I, well, um, I also they think shouldn't have taken Stewart, him in overall. Well, I think it – I understand. It's not like anybody – I liked Kamara coming out of college, but I don't think anyone saw McCaffrey struggling this much in year one and Kamara being this good. I don't think that's fair, but I do I, I do think that what we learn with this Panthers team is they need another running back and that Jonathan Stewart is no longer a thing and they need their Mark Ingram. I don't think McCaffrey is as much the issue as it is that they need another running back and they need someone else to help with Cam on the read options and just... I Well, they need another wide receiver, although they did get better when... Um, when Kelvin Benjamin was traded because I think he was a little bit too redundant with Devin Funches. Uh, but the guy who they missed was Ted Ginn and Ted Ginn went for a Towards huge him. touchdown in this yeah. game and which was really fun to watch. I love Ted Ginn. He's super fun receiver and, and they need, and Curtis Samuel, in my opinion, is a running back. I've always thought that, or you have to use him in a little bit of a different way. I don't think that he can be that guy. I think that they need to find someone this offseason who can just get open deep. Like they, they need, um, someone who just can take the top off your defense and just destroy you. 
I mean, let's say that something weird happens in Cincinnati and they're still not playing John Ross. I would see if you could flip them like a third round pick for John Ross. Hmm. I don't think think you move on from John Ross this quickly if you're Cincinnati. They don't like him for some reason. I don't know why. And and if they're not going to use him, put him on a team where he actually makes sense. Didn't they just That's my only request. Who do they hire as their wide receivers coach? They just did something. They've been reshuffling their staff a little bit. But uh, because Terrell Austin, their new DC. Yeah, but they don't want too much change. That's why they kept Marvin Lewis, which is the stupidest thing. Two seconds on this about coaches. If you are the owner of an organization and you're scared to hire a new coach and move on from your really, really shitty coach because you're scared that the new coach will bring too much change to your organization that hasn't won a playoff game in like 20 years, then you're a bad owner and you should lose your team, period. You're, you're not playing to win. You're literally just kicking the can down the road for the sake of kicking the can. And that's not a, that's not fair to the fans. And you don't deserve your team. So that's my take on that entire situation with Marvin Lewis. I could understand retaining Marvin Lewis if they did some serious reshuffling and made some inspiring choices as their new coordinators. I don't like retaining Laser, and I don't like the Terrell Lawson pick. I think had they made a bigger splash in the offensive coordinator market, because I think they just really needed a bit of mine with Andy Dalton and this group of wideouts and this group of running backs and Tyler Eifert. They just need, I don't know who it is. I don't have a name for you, but I just, I would have liked them to have done something a little bit more innovative and drastic in their offensive coordinator and defensive coordinator approach. If you're going to retain Marvin, some, some kind of rejuvenation and Bob McNell is the guy I was thinking of that they hired as a new wide receiver coach who was at Baylor this past year with Matt rules. So who knows? Maybe that helps John Ross in year two, but we'll see. What did you think of Mariota and this annoying Titans team beating the Chiefs? I should have seen this coming. The Chiefs. I didn't realize that they had lost as many home playoff games in a row. And, you know, it it was crazy because that whole first half was just exactly like you expected it to go, where the Titans were overmatched and the Chiefs were just dominating. The Chiefs, I... Is this a hot take? But I think I enjoy watching them on offense more than any other team in the league. And I'm going to miss that because the kind of pre-snap movements they do, and it kind of reminds me of Kyle Shanahan and what he does, and especially did last year with the Falcons. I I think it's so much fun to watch (laughs) Tyreek Kill just move as fast as he does. And just, I, I love watching that team work. And, you know, it was bad. And then you have like Matt Nagy who like, did not take this loss well at all and then immediately took the Bears job. But I was really blown away that the Titans won that game. It was a lot of fun, and that pass uh, from Marietta to himself was insane. And then Derrick Henry woke up in the second half. I was impressed, though. Marietta, man, like, I don't know how he does it with his 13 touchdowns and 15 picks to end the regular season situation, but I, I do think they get blown out by the Patriots this week. But, man, like... He never gets rattled. Like, that guy is just a silent leader, and he just never seemed phased in that game. Like, that first half, they were terrible, and they couldn't find any sort of rhythm. And he was just, it was him to Delaney Walker over and over again. And then they would just run Derrick Henry up the middle, and he was just doing everything he really could to find Walker. And, you know, I just, I didn't see a way for this team to come back at this offense to score enough points. And then they just found a way. And, 
I thought it was it's pretty pretty remarkable. But now the Titans have to have Mike Malarkey as their head coach for another year because they won this game. Only to, of course, get blown out by the Patriots this week. I have three things. One is that I think Matt Nagy didn't deserve to get that job in Chicago. Ooh, he literally okay. was a coordinator for like six games. He didn't do anything. And then the only reason, and this goes into my point too, I think that one thing that was very clear from that game is that Travis Kelsey made that offense go. And once he was out of the game, they couldn't adjust Yep. because they, they needed that extra help in the middle of the field. They needed that safety to shade away from Tyree kill so we can make those plays down the field. And without Kelsey inhabiting that space, they weren't able to do anything. And I, I really do believe that Nagy, We'll see how he does in Chicago. He might end up being a really good coach. I don't think he deserved to be a head coach yet. I I don't think he was as accomplished as Sean McVay was when he went to LA last year, for example. Um, so we'll we'll see. Again, I mean, he definitely could surprise me. Maybe he's a better leader of men than he was a coordinator. But I, I also feel like his presence was amplified by having Kelsey there. My third point, though, is that. And I'm not someone who ever does this. I am the kind of person, as a Patriots fan, who says, refs don't alter games that much. I think the refs robbed Kansas City in this game. Absolutely Mm. robbed them. Okay. At the end of the first half and into the second half, there were some calls that were designed to keep the game close that were weak calls. And to Tennessee's credit, they ran with it, and Casey couldn't come back. But man, there are at least three or four calls in this game. And the fact that Jeff Triplett retired after the game is pretty telling to me. He was tuned out. He didn't want to be there anymore. There were a few calls in that game where if if I was a Chiefs fan, I would be upset. Really, really upset. And I'm not the kind of person who likes to rail on refs too much. I feel like a lot of times those games kind of even out. But Kansas City outplayed Tennessee to me, and I think they got robbed. Well, that fumble was atrocious. I don't know how that happened. I don't know what they were looking at with the fumble. I think that if I was a Chiefs fan, I would be upset because I really do feel like Chiefs, I think they got robbed. And I think they're in a position now where we didn't talk about Pat Mahomes, but oh my God, he looks amazing. At least you have that to look forward to. I think Mahomes is going to be a stud, Mm -hmm. Uh, but yeah, it's, I, I feel like if I was a Chiefs fan and I, I know a few and I was trying to be as nice to them after the game as possible, because if I lost like that, I would be so mad. Mariota did step up, though, and that throw to himself was fun. Uh, Henry had a couple of nice runs. I think that the Patriots game this week will be an interesting game. I love that we're playing a team that we haven't seen before. I didn't want to play a rehashed Chiefs team. Um, I think it'll be a good game. I think it might be closer than people expect, too. A little bit. Not, like, super close, but at least it'll be played pretty close. The Falcons, man. They... So this was the this was the one game last week. I and I, I know that I didn't hear what your picks were last week because I wasn't on the air. Uh, but in my head, I had the Jaguars winning with the Bills covering in that game, which I was so happy about. I had the Saints. I had the Chiefs winning, but the Titans playing it closer than expected, and that unfortunately was wrong. And this was the game that I got completely wrong. I thought that the Rams were going to be able to beat the Falcons and they couldn't. I was right there with you. I had the Rams winning. I had the Rams and Patriots in my Super Bowl. Like for my right before the playoffs started, just looking at the lay of the land and who I felt more comfortable with. 
I thought we were getting Rams Patriots. And that Rams team, like, so the Falcons did this really good job and it's super interesting to watch them now because they kind of remind me of a good SEC team. And what I mean by that is they came into this game knowing that the best way to beat the Rams is to load up the box and make Jared Goff pass the football 45 times. And that's what he did. They shut down Gurley. Like the whole left side of the field was taken away. Every screen pass that they were trying to do with Gurley taken away. They what like the Falcons weakness is their secondary, but the, the Rams weakness is Jared Goff throwing a lot. And what makes Jared Goff successful this year versus last year is Sean McVay. Sean McVay is really good at scheming guys open. He has been great for Goff and like Goff deserves credit for getting better, but a lot of it just really has to do with the play calling and just what Sean McVay has done for that team. And when Jared Goff is asked to do too much, like he was Saturday, he just can't, he just can't do it. Like there, it's not a winning formula for him to pass the ball 45 times. And when you take away Gurley, this team, especially on offense is just easily exposed. And I, I'm interested to see how they adjust uh, for that next year, where if they do get in the, like, if they do go back to the playoffs, how do they ensure that it's not just if we don't have Gurley working because teams are stacking the box against us and taking away certain sides of the field and just making Jared Goff throw downfield and make big plays. And he did have some really good throws downfield from time to time in this game. But it was just one of those things where you saw that this was going to be a problem. And also those turnovers were terrible for them. They dug themselves a huge hole. And it was kind of like that first playoff game under a new group of guys situation where Jared Goff was having to play from behind and like everything going wrong and they got down and the Falcons to their credit took advantage of those early mistakes by the Rams and those turnovers and they made them pay and they didn't overbear the Rams. I didn't come away thinking that the Rams were just this fraudulent team uh, because if those turnovers don't happen, I don't know how that works or if, they, the Falcons kick field goals with all those, like what this game looks like, but they still fought hard. And Matt Ryan, I thought tore his ACL at one point in this game. He had one, that field was terrible. <laughs> I cannot wait until these games are not played in the Coliseum anymore. But Matt Ryan, I thought really almost got hurt with the way he fell at one point with his knee. And it, it was, it was not great, but I still think this offense has a lot of problems, but they just, they do enough. And this defense is just, it was smart with the way they played and they were just Deion Jones is awesome. And I, with they're favored against the Eagles this week with Nick Foles. And I think they're going to beat them. And then it's just like, if they have to beat case Keenum or the saints and we've seen how they played the saints this year and they, the saints do not match up well with this Falcons team. I, I just, I cannot believe this with the season that they've had. This is a team that lost to the dolphins at home with Jay Cutler I think they have a very, very good shot at getting back to the Super Bowl. And I was thoroughly impressed by the way they played against the Rams. And I've, I may have come around a little bit as playoff experience matters with certain groups. And I, the way the Falcons played, they just, it was almost like they knew that they could win this game and that the Rams were not that intimidating and that the Rams, they just didn't see them as this, Seahawks like threat of just going into this tough environment, even though um, the Rams were just awesome on both sides of the ball this year. I agree. I mean, the Falcons are 
Falcons just outplayed the Rams. That defense played really well. Deion Jones is a stud. And I, I do wonder how teams are going to be attacking that Falcons defense now. Like, I, I last year they didn't – or yeah, it was last year they made the Super Bowl. Sorry, I, I went back in time a little bit further. But they didn't have Desmond Trufant, and they were missing their best cornerback. And now Brian Poole, uh, their nickelback, made like four really good open field tackles in the game. And if they can just get that from them, just playing some solid football on the back end, they have Vic Beasley. They have Hack McKinley, who had a really good game. Uh, they have Grady Jarrett, too. And these linebackers can fly. I think they're good on the defensive side of the ball. And on offense, they still have all of these weapons. They have Julio. They have Devontae Freeman, Tevin Coleman, Muhammad Sanu, Austin Hooper making some big plays. So uh, I expected the Rams to be a little bit more screen heavy in this game, but every time they tried to run a screen, uh, the Falcons snuffed it out. So they had to shift to a more pass heavy offense and their receivers couldn't really get open except for Robert Woods. Sammy Watkins also had an awful game. Mm -hmm. He was so underwhelming, but yeah, they just manhandled the Rams on the road and nothing but respect for the Falcons. And I, and they, they got the they got a good drop because now you get to face the Eagles with Nick Foles. So good for them. It's a very good draw. And, you know, maybe it's a nice reward for beating potentially the best team in the NFC or the best all around team in your opening round game. So, you know, I I think it's a lot of it just works for this team right now. So we'll see. But yeah, were were there any like, you know, big surprises or any kind of head coaching or assistant coach? or even GM moves that have kind of caught your eye this week? Um, we can go through those quickly. I, I was surprised. We're not going to go through all of them. There's like 93. <laughs> um, I was a little bit, well, I was, I was a little surprised that Nagy ended up going to the bears. I thought that they would get someone who's been a little bit more innovative. And I guess that people really love Matt Nagy. So I, We'll see what happens there. I I just don't understand exactly what's so special or amazing about him, but clearly teams think that way. So we'll, we'll keep an eye out on that. The Packer situation was interesting to me with Goot Koontz getting the job, mm-hmm. uh, Elliot Wolf leaving and going to Cleveland. Elliot Wolf's PR team is the best in the business because I feel like I've heard about him getting a GM job for like ten years and he still hasn't gotten one, which is pretty incredible to me but we'll see what he does in cleveland uh I, I, the seattle situation also it seems like they're really cleaning house there and i do wonder what's going to happen with pete carroll i think pete carroll is going to stay and i mean i read i that, hope he stays well like so chris richard has been on staff for a long time and it seems like i he's kind of like doing the Pete Carroll is basically doing the Belichick thing where apparently he's been like helping him prepare for other jobs and like wants him to give him a new challenge in another place and land on his feet. And obviously they fired Darrow Bevel after uh, it was, I guess seven years. Cause didn't they fire Jimmy Bates in 2010, I think something like that. So I think it was time to make a move and they finally fired Tom Cable much to, um, you know, the Seahawks fans, I don't think like Tom Cable that much and that offensive line and the running game for the past couple of years, obviously not gone super well. So they're going to finally get a new offensive line coach. 
and a whole new offense, really. So I, I think it was time to make a change offensively, but I am surprised that Chris Richard's going to be moving on. And Pete Carroll, maybe he just wants some fresh blood. And, you know, this might be yeah, the time. Rich- they missed the playoffs. They are a team about to go through uh, kind of a, I don't want to say rebuild, but kind of a reset because Cliff Averill's done. Richard Sherman probably won't be there next year. Who knows how much longer Earl Thomas will be there. Cam Chancellor. They just, I think this defense is going to look very different very soon. And, you know, I don't think it's a bad decision to kind of uh, get new voices in the locker room, especially on the coaching staff. And I I would be surprised if Carroll left, but I do think it's going to be really interesting to see who they hire because I think those are two attractive coordinator jobs. And especially when you look at how many of those guys under Carroll have gone on to get other head coaching opportunities. So those are pretty appetizing landing spots if you're a coach who wants to get on the fast track to getting a head coaching job so it should be interesting i'm not really worried about the seahawks and i think it was time it's a smart move john schneider is a good general manager and i think pete carroll and schneider deserve the benefit of the doubt there you know what i find interesting and i think this is going to get really weird is the texan situation so they're going to give bill o'brien a long-term extension apparently and they finally hired a new gm to replace rick smith who is going to be gone for a year because, you know, that situation with his wife and and helping her and going away and taking a leave of absence. I, I just, I don't really understand how all of those dynamics are going to work out. And just, I mean, the guy they hired, Brian Gain, had been with the Texans before jumping to the Bills to be their VP of player personnel. And, you know, he has history there. So I guess that makes sense. But I don't know. That organization still continues to baffle me because if they describe the situation between O'Brien and Smith as toxic, why would you bring in a guy who worked under Smith and clearly, I mean, by all reports, it seems like he got along better with O'Brien than Smith did, but that doesn't really make any sense to me. And I just, this situation, I don't know if it's ever going to feel right to me that this bill o'brien versus the texas front office situation i just i don't like it and i i wish they would figure something out because they have deshaun watson and deandre hopkins and a very good defense and this is a team that could be very good very quickly if they just can figure out these pirate power dynamics they're going to be a very interesting team moving forward because the titans and i know you mentioned Mariota's interceptions earlier as i've said multiple times one game he had four interceptions in, so I, the numbers aren't quite as bad as people seem to paint them out to be, but he still wasn't great this year. They're in a little bit of a state of flux. Uh, the, the Colts, I think, are in a little bit of a state of flux, and the Jaguars still don't have a quarterback, so the Texans, it's there for them. I think that when everyone was healthy this year, the Texans were the best team in the South. Um, part of the issue, though, and this is just my, well, it's two things. One is my theory, and Second is just looking at the power dynamics in Houston. On There's a weird issue with the GM and the coach because Bill O'Brien, we've talked about this before as well, doesn't want to leave Houston because his son needs care from their hospital and it, he wants to have stability there. At the same time, the Smiths and McNairs are super close. Um, I think Rick Smith's son's son or I guess Rick Smith's or Rick Smith's son is like a godson of the McNairs. Bob McNair doesn't want to fire either of them. 
I don't think. I think that he wants everyone to stay. I'm also not sure that Rick Smith isn't doing a worse job than Bill O'Brien. Um, so I, I kind of feel like this is a good year grace period for them to be separated. And I think Gaines a really perfect mediator for that because worst case, what they could now do. And I feel like Rick Smith will be comfortable with this. And hopefully his wife gets better is he could say, I'm going to just retire for now or take a leave of absence and stay with my wife. And I'll let Brian handle the team. And worst case, if Brian wants to come back, he can just come back and, or, or Brian, if Brian's okay with it, he can just come back and, and sort of become a co-GM with Brian Gaines. So I kind of feel like this was their way of negotiating the situation. And Houston is still a team that's super interesting to me. I, I want to see what happens next with them. And hopefully, because it's going to take a year for Deshaun to get back to normal. ACLs, to me, take a year and a half. So I don't think that he's going to be there until 2019, 100%. But hopefully next year he can still do well enough to um, prove his worth and in investment that was made within him. I don't think we see Rick Smith back for the Texans. I think that's very possible too. I think it's possible that we don't see him back. I think this is one of those things to kind of just kind of show stability in that they're not just moving on from him in this really awkward, just unfortunate situation that he's having to deal with. But it also, I don't know. I just, I get the vibe that this is one of those things where they're not just saying he's not coming back just to, hold the door open as like a classy gesture. Like we'll, all, we'll welcome you back whenever you're ready. But I, I don't, I don't think we're coming. He's going to be back with the Texans, but that's just my prediction. The other thing though, that I think super interesting is what's going on with the Lions and the Giants situation <laughs> where Matt Patricia apparently wants the Giants job and the Lions really want him to take the Lions job. And, you know, I was thinking about this. What job would you rather have right now? The Lions with their roster or the Giants and with Dave Gettleman? Because I feel like Gettleman's about to go through a huge reset. If we know anything about him, and I think he is a pretty good GM, is I I just I think he's going to start clearing house very soon. And I don't know if I'd want to be the coach for that team right now if you're an older coach or you're a coach that's looking to really succeed or right away. I think the Lions present a better opportunity to win games in year one than the giants and you know the lions obviously you get stafford who i guess that's that's always a tough situation but he did just have the best statistical year of his career and then i mean they have a lot of talent i think on both sides of the ball so i think that lion's job is pretty appealing so i'm kind of surprised that matt patricia would want the giants job right now over the lion's job but you know I think it's going to be interesting to see where he and McDaniels wind up because it certainly seems like this is the year where the Patriots lose both of those guys. Are you, how do you see those two jobs playing out? And who do you, like if you were a coordinator candidate or if you're Matt Patricia, which job would you find more appealing? Oh, we didn't talk about that Patriots story yet either. That's a whole like podcast in and of itself. <laughs> I'll, I'll give my one sentence thought of that after this. Um, if I'm Matt Patricia, I would want to take the Lions job because I think that what's going to happen if he takes the Giants job is his first act is going to be to draft a quarterback to replace Eli Manning and the New York media is going to flip out. 
I don't think the New York media is going to flip out over that. And he already basically admitted, oh, no, he admitted it this week. He said you can never have too many great players at one position. That's a Dave Gettleman these, quote this week. Uh, these He got benched the, already this year. Like, has, era it, yeah. in New York is over. Why did you he... see what happened when he got benched? People flipped out about it. It was not pretty. It was It was not pretty. And whomever... First of all, I don't think this is the year to draft a quarterback top five, and I think they're going to. I think they're going to go after Rosen. I think he's going to be their yeah. guy. So that's one. And then two, I I feel like whoever goes there, it's just not a good situation at all. It's just going to be, ugh, it's going to be a mess next year. Um, this entire draft season is going to be a mess. I, I might lose my mind by the end of it just because there's going to be so much drama. But I'm not entirely I, convinced that he was not going to trade Odell Beckham. I I wouldn't trade Odell Beckham. I think that if you trade Odell Beckham, that's a mistake. Depends on what the haul is and what some team might be desperate for. Nothing because... is worth it. No, he's the best receiver in football. Ooh, disagree. Strong disagree. He's. I, I don't think it's close. Would you really rather there's... have him than than Julio or Antonio Brown? Julio's is close, but yes, hundred percent. There isn't a play other than maybe Tyree Kill. Actually, we saw that when he took that slant, like seventy yards. He is uh, just Tyree Kill. I, I would say yeah, is but the Odell, most fun player to have Odell, on your team. Odell can do that, and then also high point more consistently. Odell's special, and people who give him a hard time. I mean. If you look at him and look at his numbers compared to every single other receiver, the guy is a generational player, and and people need to give him a little bit more respect than he actually already gets right now, in my opinion. I, I don't think that you can trade him. I think if you have a – you could have a four-wide set with Odell, Sterling Shepard, Evan Ingram, and – for argument's sake, I'll say Roger Lewis, but you can insert any other receiver there, and that's in a really, really good group. Um, Yeah, I mean, I, I just – I feel like, and we'll see who ends up going to that Giants job, but I don't think you can trade Odell Beckham. I don't think that's going to happen. And if it does, I think that it should be criticized. Interesting. I think it just depends on the trade, but I would not be surprised with any major move that Dave Gettleman makes. Here's a good example. Here's a good example. The Patriots traded the 32 pick last year for Brandon Cooks, right? Mm -hmm. So, and I think they got another pick in that deal as well. So, I don't remember for sure, but who would you rather have this? Who would you have rather had last year? I believe that uh, Ryan Ramchek was picked thirty second overall. Who's that was a not really a bad good player pick. at all? That's a good pick, but I would rather have Cooks than a random offensive tackle. Uh, not this year. I think the Saints like they would have floundered if they didn't have him, especially because Taron Armstead got hurt and he had to play left tackle right out of the gate as a rookie and now he's able to play right tackle so that Saints offensive line is but so then much you look better. at the other if you look at the other receivers this year too especially in the first round I would rather have a good left uh, tackle than a pretty good wide receiver well either way if you look at the other receivers this year you have John Ross you have Mike Williams and you have who is the other one Corey Davis um Corey Davis you'd rather have Cooks over all those guys right mm-hmm. so I, I the Patriots saw what their need was and I think that in this year's class, too, I don't think there's a receiver who can compete with Odell Beckham. And if you get a first-round pick for Odell, like, I don't know. I, I just don't necessarily see the value in trading him because I don't think the return's going to be big enough. Yeah, we'll see. So what do you think is a more appealing job, though? Because I still think I would – if I was – obviously, like, the lines and their history, that is kind of a tough situation. We don't really know when Stafford's going to fall off. But, you know, I just – I like that roster. 
And I think they're, they've been doing some really smart things with Quinn as their general manager. And I think, you know, you could I, you could sell me on a situation where they could have a really amazing playoff run in a year or two with the right coach and the right coordinators in place. I think you're in a better position to win with the Lions. Mm-hmm. I think the Giants can be really bad for the next couple of years. The Giants need someone unique to handle that job. I mean, that that's a hard job. Yep. That's a really, really hard job. So whoever – that's why Eli was so perfect there because he could handle the media like nobody else. And I mean – I think the Broncos is a low key, really hard job too. And I don't think like the stuff of Vance Joseph, I I don't think he's like, he had a great year, but just having to deal with Trevor Simeon and Paxton Lynch and just that defense was still really good, still a top 10 defense. And I just think you have to wait for some of these coaches, give them a quarterback or give them somebody and then really evaluate because I just, I don't know, but I do like what they've been doing with their, I think they hired Greg Williams as their cornerbacks coach. And he, I don't think was great as a defensive coordinator for Cleveland, but he did do a good job developing some of the corners. All right. I'll give you that. I was about to, if you put him just with corners and that's like the only thing he did well, I guess, other than miles Garrett, who had a really underrated rookie season, but I think he would have been great no matter who the defensive coordinator was. And you know, Greg Williams is getting in there. They hired a good special teams coach. Like, I I don't know. I could see the Broncos actually having a pretty nice turnaround next year, especially if they draft Baker Mayfield, which I hope they do. But yeah, I just think that's a low-key, really tough job, especially working under Elway. And I think the Giants is especially tough. But I do hope for entertainment value that Belichick is the next coach of the Giants. But I'm going to go ahead and guess it's going to be Jim Schwartz. I, I think Jim Schwartz would be a very good choice for the Giants. I think that that would be a good a good coaching decision um, about the Broncos. I was very pleasantly surprised that John Elway admitted that he was wrong and didn't help his coach out because normally guys like that blame the coach. Yeah. Um, and he was wrong. He didn't get him a quarterback. He had to deal with shitty quarterbacks all year. And so I, I feel like that's really good for uh, John Elway to do that. I, I, the defense did struggle this year quietly. Once they lost their middle linebackers, they couldn't cover tight ends. They were the worst team against tight ends in the NFL, I think, or one of the worst. So that's something that they have to work on this year. And and it wouldn't shock me if they end up – I talked about this particular player with a couple of people. Um, Roquan Smith from Georgia is someone who I think would look really, really good in a Denver uniform if they decide not to go with a quarterback. Baker Mayfield would be good too, but I think it's a little bit too short for Elway. So if they don't go quarterback, Roquan Smith could be fun in Denver. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. I, so do you think Elway actually has like a short requirement? Do you? Do you yeah, think? he, I think he does. Hmm. He wants a taller guy. I mean, we'll see with Mayfield, but I, I'm pretty sure that he does. I, I think Mayfield will be fun in Denver, but I, I'm not sure it's going to happen. We haven't even talked about Gruden, and that's the last thing we should touch on. Actually, the other thing I wanted to say is I love the sneaky defensive coordinator hire for the Packers. I think Mike Pettin's actually a really good defensive coordinator, and I think he's going to be really good in Green Bay. And then it, it sets up a fun rivalry, too, because Pettin threw Kyle Shanahan under the bus when he was leaving Cleveland. Yeah, well, he's dead to me for that. I didn't know that. So Kyle Shanahan, who I believe hired uh, Ken Norton Jr. as his new assistant head coach. Um, who was, as you may recall, was the defensive coordinator for the Raiders until he got let go. Jack Dario still hasn't resurfaced. I wonder if he takes a DC job or goes back to college or something. Maybe he waits for the USC job to open up. I don't know. 
But uh, yeah, John Gruden signed a 10-year deal <laughs> with the Raiders, $100 million. Greg Olson is going to be the offensive coordinator until he's fired in three years or less. And then Paul Gunther is their DC, and they're trying to get the Alabama's uh, Crimson Tide defensive backs coach to be their defensive backs coach. And it's apparently like he's going all out. I'm putting putting together a really good staff, but don't like the Greg Olson hire as your offensive coordinator. I think QB's coach fine because he was the QB's coach uh, for the Rams this year and Sean McVay, but I, I think he's a terrible offensive coordinator. Wasn't he fired with the Jags like a couple years ago? As OC? He's been fired as OC at least seven times in his career. Greg Olson, every single time that he ends up on a team, the quarterback does really well for one season and then regresses really badly the next. The Josh Freeman special. Freeman, Bortles. Remember when Bortles led the league in touchdown passes two years ago? That feels like a century ago. It does feel like a century ago, but I promise you, he was up there. And um, I I feel like, and I've been being in the drum for, I think Carr's going to have a comeback year next year, even before Greg Olson. Now, I mean... I think Derek Carr could have a monster year next year. Maybe he'll regress after. He might be good enough to be able to buck that regression. I hope he is. But so we know who your fantasy quarterback is next year, or is he too good? At least to start. At least, well, we'll see where he ends up going in the draft. I mean, mm. I'm gonna, I'm gonna take my time and I'm gonna wait. <laughs> I'm gonna wait a little bit. Um, here's the thing with Gruden. I think Gruden being in the media actually helps him because John Lynch said that. It helped him make connections. It helped him look at teams a little bit differently. I, I think there's a lot of positive things there that Gruden can be uh, can take from his experience and bring to the table as the Raiders uh, head coach. At the same time, some of the takes he has are just not good. And if he use if he brings those to coaching, I don't know how those are going to work out really well. And then also, um, ten years was too much. They better have some good outs in that contract. I guess it's probably like they had to like, didn't Mark Davis say in the press conference, it was harder to get John Gruden than it was to get the votes for them to move to Vegas. So I'm going to go ahead and assume like that was like part of the deal is like the only way you're getting me is if you're agreed to 10. I mean, the one who's the one who's going to want to get out, I think is Gruden. He's going to be stressed. I would would say. Yeah. Okay. I don't know. I feel like John Gruden's the kind of guy who, if something is going shitty, he's going to want to get out. Mm. I don't, I don't, once you get that media money and you get some time in the booth, you get to relax a little bit. You're not going crazy every single week. You want that. That's the life that I feel like John Gruden kind of is going to miss in like two years. Can we also just talk about that this was a sham interview process and that this oh, was just – it felt wrong how they did Jack Del Rio. And Del Rio seems like a really good dude. I, I really feel bad for him and how this all played out. And they, Mark Davis just saying – I feel like this was just worse to say out loud and publicly that they wouldn't have fired him if they couldn't have gotten Gruden. So what is that? like? Just That just I- feels gross to me. Jack Del Rio is a field kind of guy, and I think that he had to run his course in that locker room. I mean, they were—they they didn't give a shit at the end of the season. They were done. But there's just a better way to handle all of that, and to just say like, "Yeah, we would have, I guess, brought him I wish back they had if we t- didn't." I mean, the Bucks did the same thing. Like, they couldn't outbid the Raiders for Gruden, so like, all right, I guess we're bringing Dirk Cutter back. Do you? They like texted Del Rio, right? Like, it wasn't even like. He like uh, went out, like yeah, he, didn't, he just and he went out like right after the game and announced he got fired. He was the one who announced his firing. Yeah, I 
I, I feel like they could have handled it better from that standpoint. I still think that he wasn't the coach for that team at that point. And there's a great story in the Atlantic about what happened with the Raiders. And that entire team has been dysfunctional all year. Um, they, they need, they need a veteran in that locker room to help turn things around because God knows it's not Navarro Bowman who literally in the story says, I came there to be that veteran. And then I didn't want to deal with it because everyone's so dramatic. Mm. Interesting. Yeah. Well, we'll see. I think they will be better next year, at least early on, but I don't see this going well by the last five years. I think their first five years is probably pretty solid. And then those last couple are just really awkward and really. So in, in the, in the next decade, how many times do you think the Raiders make the playoffs and how far do you think they end up? I will say, I think that they, I think next year they're actually pretty well positioned to, to make a run at a wild card bid, Mm -hmm. uh, especially in the AFC because the AFC is still really weak. I th- I would say they make the playoffs about two or three times in the next ten years. I don't think they make it past the divisional round though. They're just not quite there for me unless they make some major changes uh, on in the front seven on defense or they find that elite linebacker. That could be another team where Roquan Smith can make a nice impact. But I I, I don't know. They're not. They're. N- <sighs> this is tough because we really just don't know those last week. I don't see them ever making the Super Bowl with this group. I would be pretty floored if they did, honestly. But like you said, I could see them definitely making the playoffs next year. And I think three to four playoff appearances, three feels about right. And then it just getting bad. And a lot of it depends on what happens with Carr. If Carr remains like, or he gets back to his rookie year form or something close to that. And is just a really stable functional quarterback. And Paul Gunther turns around that defense and, you know, they, you know, it's tough. I would just, I would feel most comfortable saying like they make the playoffs three times, maybe get to the AFC championship game once, but they just, they don't feel like a Super Bowl team. And I don't, I don't believe in Gruden enough at this point after a decade plus of just mediocrity and in the booth that predicting a Super Bowl run for this group, just no, I can't do it. Also with Carr, So Carr's been the NFL now since 2014. So this is his fourth year, right? Is He's going to go on his fifth year. His 50, oh, I guess he has been here that long. I forgot a year. So this was his fourth year, right? I'm not going crazy. Is it, let's see. Or is he going into his fourth year? This is bad that we are supposed to be the experts here. Yeah. No, I believe I believe he is going into his fifth year. Yes, he's played four years. This will be his fifth year. Yes. So I feel like we kind of know who he is now. Right? I don't think we do because he was- I think I mean, I think his he's a very good quarterback. I think his peak is like lower top ten quarterback in the league. That's probably where he's gonna end up, maybe another couple of years. He's like Stafford. Mm. He's like at that level. Well, his total QBR was sixty-two last year, and then last year it was forty-seven. I just, I feel like there's still a lot of wiggle room with him. I think my, I have a Derek Carr prediction. Mm. I think next year's going to be Derek Carr's best year as a pro. Ooh, I can see that. I think next year's going to be his best year as a pro. So, buy Derek Carr futures. Hmm. But I think that that's where he's going to end up. Like he's not quite at. He's not. Russell Wilson, he's not Brady, he's not Rodgers. 
He's Stafford, which is totally like good quarterback, very good quarterback. He could win on a team. Still probably the best quarterback in that draft class. As Well, actually, Jimmy might be better. But uh, for now, in terms of production, although he wasn't the first quarterback from that draft class to win a playoff game, that was Blake Bortles. Um, Do you think there's any coach in the NFL that would take Derek Carr over Jimmy Garoppolo right now? Oh, no. No yeah, way. I don't think so either. I agree. I, th- I think Jimmy has special potential, but he needs time to figure that out. He hasn't even lost yet. Are we sure hasn't lost. Jimmy Garoppolo remember loses we, a game? We talked about it on the podcast. <laughs> we said he might. I, I remember I said on the podcast like a month ago that he might not lose the rest of the year. Yeah. He He's good. He's got it. Mm. He's, he's ugh, the throw he made, like, he makes some throws across his body, which are just wild. It's fun to watch. I can't wait until they get him a receiver. Damn. Kittle is going to be good next year, too. If you want to draft a late-round fantasy tight end, he, all he does is look for Jeff Kittle or George Kittle. It's a good one. but And he's athletic, too. Yeah, the 49ers are trending up, and I agree. Can you believe that Derek Carr has already been a two-time Pro Bowler? Uh, the Pro Bowl doesn't matter, so yeah, I, I can't. It seems odd to me that he, he's been there twice already. I don't know. I don't know if that's a good sign. I'm going to have to go back and do some Pro Bowl research. But, all right, do you want to talk about this week's games? Oh, uh, yeah, let's go through quick. All right. Saturday, 435, the Falcons favored over the Eagles. You know, it, it really does suck for Philly fans, right? For the kind of season they've had, if I was voting for MVP this year, I would still give it to Carson Wentz because if you, I'm trying to think of something because <laughs> what, what was the last team to not be favored as a number one overall seed in their first playoff game? Has that even happened? Like they're sure the number has. one overall seed in their first playoff game, in the divisional round, they are home dogs. I just, I don't know if there's a better case than that for Carson Wentz for MVP. I so, I mean, they did win a game after that, although it the looked bad looked against terrible. Denver. Well, and they beat the Raiders. <laughs> he threw for like five touchdowns against the Giants. That game was dumb. I watched way too that much game of that game. Dumb. That game was dumb. Both. Uh, oh my God. That game was dumb. Eli like, was great went- in that game. It was a back and forth weird. Just, I, I don't know. I have a lot of thoughts in that game, but I do think though that uh, this game, the Falcons should win this game. I think they win. Um, by multiple scores, I would say by 10 points. Ooh, okay. Um, they're a better team and they're playing really well. Uh, the one thing Foles can't do is he has some issues uh, reading zone and the linebackers for the Falcons seem well-equipped to play that. I think one of the linebackers or Brian Poole at Nickelback has a pick. And then the Eagles defense is great. The one thing the Eagles can do is maybe force a turnover or two on defense, but I trust Matt Ryan and I'm going to go with the quarterback battle and say Ryan's going to beat Foles. So uh, I'm going go with the Falcons there. That's my upset of the week. It's not an upset. They're favored. Oh, they are? Yeah. All right, well then, it's not my upset of the week. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, the Falcons are favored over the Eagles. When was the last time a number one overall seed was home dog in their first playoff game? Like, that just can ne- – that must never happen. But, but, yeah. Um. So here's why I would say that there's a little bit of worry for me in this game. The Eagles are a very different team than the Rams. And I think the Eagles kind of in a different way. So their secondary kind of sucks. I, or we just say it sucks. Their front seven's very good, very scary. But 
there this is a game where sark's gonna really have to open it up and julio has to be active muhammad sanu has to make some big plays who made the biggest play for the falcons uh saturday so if he makes another big play that will be uh, a big thing i think for this team on saturday but i don't also like that the eagles don't really need to pass a lot and i don't see a situation where Foles throws the ball 45 times like goff did and they don't have just Gurley. They have Jay Ajayi. They have Corey Clement. They have Wendell Smallwood. They have a bunch of different options running the football where I do think they're going to try and mix it up a little bit more and just have a lot of different options to throw at the Falcons. So we'll see how Sark plays this and how this defense plays with all of these different guys rather than just Gurley. And then, you know, this is still a really good Eagles team. And I think Sark has to be bold here and Julio has to be a big factor because the biggest weakness for this Eagles team is their secondary. And that has not been something that Sark has done a good job utilizing is Julio Jones. And I think this is one of those games where he has to really go off for the Falcons to win. So I think the Falcons win, but I think this is actually really, really close and I could see it being like a three or four point game. Yeah, I agree. Okay. I think it's slightly more than that, but yeah. Titans. The Saturday night game. They travel to New England. This feels like the, well, I guess maybe it doesn't a little bit, but I was thinking of like the Texans game when they traveled to New England last year and just that game was surprisingly close. I think there, I guess there's a little potential for that, but. I just I can't wrap my head around this Patriots team not just blowing out the Titans, especially after that emotional come from behind win against the Chiefs. I just I don't see Mike Malarkey putting together much of a fight against Bill Belichick in this game. The Patriots got the best draw that they possibly could get. Now, I said I wanted to give my one sentence thought on that story that came out on ESPN. I'm ready. I think that. I trust what was said in the story for what it's worth. I trust Wickersham's reporting. Uh, I think this is the kind of thing that happens in a lot of locker rooms. And I think it's the case of three egos who um, they clearly like maybe if they weren't working together, they wouldn't hang out. But that being said, they are working together. I think they can put this behind them. And I think that they beat the Titans. I, it'll be a fun match, but they match up better with the Titans than they would have with either of their other potential opponents in this round. So if they lose this game, it's on them. They will have deserved it, but they shouldn't. I expect them to Chris Hogan's going to be back. I believe I expect him to be a factor. I think that Brandon cooks is going to be a factor. Gronk might not even, I think they're going to try to be smart with Gronk and not overwork him too much. He should be a factor, uh, especially with how much but he'll play. Kelsey oh. had against tennessee the week before oh definitely i think that he'll 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 definitely have his moments Dion lewis has been playing amazingly well so Who, I, I, can i say that he's my biggest reason i don't want to give brady the mvp because Dion lewis has been a top five running back this year and it, that i think he just deserves a lot more credit for the Patriots' success this year than he has gotten nationally i think Dion lewis is just awesome i'm watching him just close out the season against the jets. I watched that whole game and just, they rely on him so much and he has been their stable guy back there. Like Burkhead's been in and out. Gillisley's been a bus and just man, Dion Lewis has turned into just kind of like a bell cow back. I just, he's been awesome. 
Yeah. Um, he's great. I still think Brady is the MVP, though. Can't do it. Join me on Wentz Island. Wentz was made by his system. Uh, okay. That's my, that's my uh, hot okay. Wentz take. All right. If, if you, I mean, he's a great player, but if you look, or he had a really good season, I should say, I don't, I, I'm not going to go too far in my praise, but if you look at like what they did on the goal line, every single time they got down there, they ran the same play over and over again. It was just Zach Ertz manning against a linebacker and Zach Ertz would just break open on a slant and get a touchdown. It was so boring. <laughs> I'd have to go back and look at that, but I don't know. I just, I can't get off the Carson Wentz. Just how different this Eagle season is without him versus anybody else. I, I, I think that, and, and again, with Derek Carr going up, I have a feeling next year, and this is not Carson Wentz's fault. I think this happens with injuries. It takes a year and a half to recover. I think that if Wentz is ready, which hopefully he is to start the year, he's going to need time to adjust. And it's going to be very important for the uh, Eagles to help him out with that. And if they can't, then I think they might be in some trouble next year. Jaguars fresh off a absolutely miserable performance that ended with a not Jalen Ramsey interception. Cause I don't think he actually picked up all off to end the game, but they won. Who cares? It's over. No more Nate Peterman, no more bills. They travel to Pittsburgh. I think Pittsburgh wins very, very big here. I think they absolutely blow them out. I think this is a terrible Bortles game. So you have to recall, they played already. I, they did, and they blew them out. Leonard Fournette had like a 99-yard touchdown run to like seal it and everything. Oh, I remember all of that. That is not happening again. Blake Bortles is not sweeping the Steelers in Pittsburgh. Not going down that road. It's not happening. They're getting destroyed. Todd Haley, comeback game of the week. He fell or got beat up at a bar or something else. He like broke his hip. Everything is in their favor. They're not losing this game. Antonio Brown is back. I just, no, 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 no. They, the Steelers are blowing them out or just, I, I don't know, fire everybody. So let's take a step back and uh, I'm going to have to deal with this annoying. Sorry. I just pulled the game up. So in that game, Blake Bortles was eight of 14 for 95 yards. Oh my God. So, and, and Ben played, Ben threw the ball 55 times. Ben got intercepted five times in that game. It can only be lucky for so long, you know? Le'Veon was there. Antonio was there. Antonio got his. Man, I'm... Don't Big do ben, it. Don't do Big this. Ben threw five interceptions that game. I don't know, man. Like, it's don't tough. Don't do this. Do you, do you think that... Ugh, it's tough because I bet against Blake Bortles last week and it did me very, very well. But it's hard to bet against a quarterback where in that game he threw five interceptions and he had all of his weapons there. I just You know what? I'm gonna think about this more. I'll come back to it at the end of the at the end of the podcast. Okay. Well this is our last game, so you don't have long. The Vikings, game of the week, Sunday afternoon, hosting the Saints. A rematch where there's a lot of history here. There's the whole bounty gate situation from a couple years ago there is uh just the fact that the vikings blew them out in week one with sam bradford and it's a different team now with keenum and bradford is now apparently ready to go so isn't he gonna be on the sideline teddy bridgewater is on the sideline so who knows what happens here but you know adam thielen getting compared to michael irvin adam zimmer 
was quoted saying, Adam Thielen reminds him of Michael Urban, which is my favorite quote of the 2017 to 18 NFL season. You know, it, I just, it would be a really tragic end to the Viking season if they lose this game. And the Saints have had a great run, but for whatever reason, that game last week just kind of sold me on them losing in Minnesota. I think Minnesota's defense is going to be really ready to go. Xavier Woods is awesome. This Vikings defense is for real. And I don't see them giving up a lot in this game. And I think Thielen makes some big plays. And I think Diggs has some big runs. And uh, I just, I don't know. I, I can't see the Vikings losing this game. So for this one, I'm going to go with the Saints. Okay. Because I, I think that they're playing the best football of any team in the NFC right now. And I don't think that a team can beat them when they're on all cylinders. Um, the Vikings are good. It'll be a close game. I could definitely see them pulling it off. But again, if I had to pick which quarterback to ride with, Drew Brees or Case Keenum, I have to go with Brees no matter how well Keenum's playing. Marshawn Lattimore did not play in that game week one. He's going to be playing this time. The defense is playing better now than they were playing week one. That game was very close. It was a 10-point game. That was not a route. Well, I mean, if you watch that game, it wasn't close. The Vikings were up, and they were doing whatever they wanted. Like, Sam Bradford was just destroying that team. I, I watched that whole game. That was not really a close game where it ever felt like the Saints were even in it. But it's a very different situation, like you said. Well, at, at the same time, I this, yeah, the Saints didn't have Lattimore. They weren't playing as well as they're playing now. This is a completely different team. I think the Saints win this game. I think it'll be close, but Saints-Falcons, I mean, that'll be a fun NFC Championship game. I I think that the ball is in the Saints' court, though. If they're able to pull this off, uh, that sets up a really good championship game, and then they might be in the Super Bowl. So I have to go with them over the Falcons, over the uh, Vikings, sorry. Also, I think that if the Vikings beat the Saints and the Falcons win, I'm not sure how your prediction that Minnesota doesn't make the Super Bowl happens because Minnesota lines up really well against the Falcons. Well, we've seen this move before. Let me remind you of 1998, sir. Oh, God. Oh, my God. <laughs> 20 years. Uh, oh, just you know what? It's a 20 you know what? year Actually, perfect, perfect sports okay. story. You know what? I, I'm rooting for the Vikings to win now. I'm going to stick with my Saints pick, but now I want that rematch to happen. And instead of they don't have Blair Walsh to miss the game winner, now they have Cobra I Kai for Bath. That should happen so bad now. Okay, <laughs> I'm here for it. I want that rematch to happen. I'm just saying, exactly 20 years. Yeah. Also, I thought about the Jaguar Steelers game, and after much consideration, I'm going to go with the Steelers this time, just because in that game against Week Three, I don't think they're going to get two pick sixes again. That just seems a little bit unrealistic. So I think it's going to be close. I could see the Jaguars pulling something crazy out. I, I think it's like probably a two thirds of the time the Steelers win one third of the time the Jaguars win. I'll just go with the Steelers uh, since they'll be fresh and they, Juju is playing really well. And so is the rest of their team. So, well, thank you for rejoining me on sanity Island. I appreciate but, it. Uh, those games are going to be fun though. All four games this week, I think could be really fun games disagree all i think of, only two will be fun i think two are gonna be you don't think atlanta, fun. i think the atlanta game could be a low scoring game a mario so I, at least that'll keep 
that could be i mean i think the, the patriots G- and the steelers both went big that is my that's why i think, those I, don't think the steelers and, I think the steelers and jaguars actually have a fun contrast and i don't know i think, I think that game is going to be interesting i mean if the steelers get up like 14 to nothing and blake borles is just like having to play from behind like that i just i think that game's gonna go away from them very, i don't very think quickly. that's gonna happen i don't think big ben's gonna have a great game Okay. I mean, that's fair. I mean, the the Jaguars secondary is incredible. And Jalen Ramsey was just all over the place this past week. Him and AJ Bouye are just sensational and Barry Church and all those guys. But Clayce Campbell, Malik Jackson. Yeah. So I can see it. So final thing before Mm -hmm. we head out. If your finals come to be, so it'll be Falcons, Vikings, and Patriots, Steelers, what do you think the Super Bowl is going to be? I think we're getting a Super Bowl rematch. Okay, I think it's going to be Saints Pats. Okay, that'd be fun too. I think that would be really, really fun. I don't want Case Keenum in the Super Bowl. I know that sounds bad. I just don't want him in it. I, I don't. If it was Sam Bradford or if it was Teddy Bridgewater, especially, all in for it. I just, I, I don't want Case Keenum in the Super Bowl. That Saints Patriots game early in the Love season. Love Vikings fans, by the way. Love you guys. I love. But, hey, you know. I, I'm rooting for the Vikings. I'd love for them to make it, but I, I just that Saints Patriots game. The Patriots won fairly handily, but Alvin Kamara dropped like four twenty plus yard passes in that game. So if they played again, I think it's going to be a little bit more competitive than it was in Week Two. Yeah, probably more of like the Panthers. It'll be fun. Patriots game, which the Panthers won. Because the funny thing is, I don't think the Patriots are at, and this is something that um, also stemmed from the story. I don't think the Patriots are playing at a, at the hundred percent level where they were in previous playoffs, mm-hmm. which gives me a little bit of pause. Uh, they're they're really beaten up. Their offense is not hitting on all cylinders. I mean, you saw them in that Jets game; they were having some trouble moving the ball. And I don't think they're a hundred percent. At the same time, they're going to get Chris Hogan back, and they'll have their full complement of running backs, which should help a bit. And I think that Tennessee is the ideal opponent for them to face this week. But this isn't, this Patriots team is not as good as last year's Patriots team. So we'll see what happens there. The Steelers could totally uh, get the jump on them next week in that rematch. But for now, I think that they should be favored. Ethan Harriman. Always a pleasure. Thanks for coming back on it. It was uh, good to have you back tonight, man. Yeah. And I should be, hopefully I'll be on next week too. Okay. <laughs> Very and ominous. next, um, the Senior Bowl is in two weeks. Mm-hmm. Are you gonna have some right. good information well, for that? Are you uh, going? I unfortunately, I do not believe I'll be going. But we'll see. Okay. I don't think I'm going though. All right. Well, we can find you on Twitter at Ethan Ham, Regent Pat's Pulpit, and all that good stuff. So, go ahead and give him a follow, and we will maybe in italics be back with Ethan next week. So thank you as always, sir, and we will talk soon. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.